0: Good morning, and welcome to The Extra, the show that connects you to the issues, topics, and people that are important to you. Well, many people were probably following the news of the special legislative session very anxiously. Of course, their lawmakers were trying to address property tax relief, and some people feel that they did accomplish it. Others feel that they didn't go far enough. Meanwhile, the next legislative session starts on January 8th. And so as the year ends, we're taking stock of the legislative and policy priorities that shaped the business environment of 2023 and look at the forecast for possible trends likely to define agendas for 2024. So joining us this morning with information on some of these issues we're so pleased to have with us, Dave Daslich, who's Vice President of Government Affairs for the Colorado Springs Chamber and EDC. Dave, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Shannon. Pleasure to be here.
0: So let's talk about some of the trends uh, that we saw this past year and and how they played out. Because uh, certainly uh, I think a lot of economists are thinking right now we're heading in for a soft landing from uh, what had been thought to be possibly a recession. Uh, so, So right now, what do you see as being the trends when it comes to economy and public policy and the intersection and how it affects business?
1: Well, certainly as we look at the 2023 session and a lot of the issues that'll be addressed again in 2024, there is a lot of concern, um, a lot of optimism and hopefulness as well, uh, for the economy at large, we have some trends that are following us from, uh, the pandemic and before, uh, relating to workforce, uh, employment readiness, the state of Colorado still has something like two open jobs uh, for every job seeker at the moment, a balance that a number of legislators will be looking to address, whether that's through expanding existing workforce programs or seeing where eight dollars left over from the Inflation Reduction Act and other pandemic era programs could be directed. But we also want to make sure we are positioning ourselves for any kind of good recovery to be in uh, good fiscal shape. The state budget continues to be balanced, as is the Colorado constitutional requirement. And a lot of the legislators in Denver are taking a very cautious view towards spending in the in the coming year. Is um, that
0: is, is that because I mean we. JV- we had so much of an infusion of cash of pandemic-related aid. Is is that because lawmakers are worried, you know, what happens when the aid dries up as it has? That's
1: certainly part of it. And in many cases, uh, that aid has been gone for a couple of years now. But we were also able, working with our uh, legislators, to make some wise investments. The state's unemployment insurance fund is almost entirely paid off after, Uh, Legislation in 2022 and 2023 um, departments across the state are looking at tightening budgets and a lot of the aid dollars were not necessarily spent uh, in ways that would cause unfunded mandates. Now, of course, as we look down the road with budgets and things like that, uh, property taxes as a result of uh, the repeal of the Gallagher Amendment in 2020 there are some larger questions that are definitely going to need to be addressed, especially around property taxes. You mentioned the special session and the legislative result there, which is more or less a one-year implementation of a lot of the core uh, of Proposition HH, which failed at the ballot, with the hopes that through a full, uh, full legislative session and the work of a uh, nonpartisan appointed property tax commission, A more long-term solution can be brought forward and implemented, but certainly there there are some long-term concerns that need to be addressed, but in the meantime, the JBC is focused on how do we keep a balanced budget going into 2024 and 2025.
0: And let's talk about you. You mentioned uh, the the workforce. You know, two uh, jobs for every one dedicated job seeker in this state. It sounds like uh, the legislature is going to be looking at that because, I mean, companies—that's something that they weigh when they're thinking of where to relocate or expand.
1: Absolutely, and it is a bit of a double edged sword. There is a lot of economic opportunity for people seeking jobs especially qualified job seekers here within the state but also an acknowledgement that there's a lot of work still to be done when it comes for comes to workforce readiness programs and uh, the general outlook that we'll have to take going into the future there are a number of pots of money from federal relief programs and other recent legislation that can be directed towards workforce the governor's proposed uh, roughly 60 million dollars in new workforce incentives as part of his budget for the upcoming fiscal year those are mainly aimed at expanding apprenticeship programs and upskilling of current people in the workforce and there's been a lot of interest on the part of the legislature in exploring career technical education and other career training programs uh, one of those flagship programs that has garnered a lot of attention, especially in the last couple of sessions, is actually right here in the Pikes Peak region, run by the Housing and Building Association, their Careers in Construction program. And there's been a lot of discussion on how that model might be applied to other areas of growth, whether that's careers in healthcare, careers in cybersecurity, or other growth industry. How do we get the future members of the workforce into those high-paying jobs without necessarily diverting them for additional years of training or higher education that they may not need to do those jobs.
0: And and Right, and then also you have technology use increasing. Is that something the legislature wants to turn its attention to, or is that something that's better left to the feds?
1: Well, and that's a growing question right there. Uh, Whether or not the federal government will be able to push through any meaningful sweeping legislation that addresses a lot of these new emerging technologies, especially artificial intelligence, um, AI. States will most likely be able to bring forward the first uh, wave of legislation regarding AI and its application uh, to the workforce and not to mention the data privacy, and accountability issues that come associated with AI. Uh, I think any state that is waiting on the federal government to bring forward a comprehensive solution is definitely going to have a long wait. And I think the appetite for most state legislatures, including our own, will be to at least take the first steps towards some legislation addressing these new emerging technologies.
0: What might be a first step, do you think?
1: Well, there have been continuing discussions around data privacy and accountability. If uh, anyone is gathering data, especially personal data, to what extent are you liable for any security breaches or how that data is used. There are also discussions on how exactly AI might be allowed to be applied within the workplace and whether or not that application is going to begin to cost jobs currently held by humans. Of course, there are always going to be areas where we'll be looking for new efficiencies in the workplace, but certainly the the cost has to be considered, and uh, I suspect that's going to be debated over the next several sessions.
0: Well, we need to take a, a break here, David. Uh, when we come back, we'll continue this discussion, looking at what kind of legislation uh, might be out there, might be coming to the table uh, when it comes to AI, when it comes to health policy, and much more. Keep on listening to the extra here on KRDO News Radio. We're back with The Extra and our guest today, Dave Daslich, Vice President of Government Affairs for the Colorado Springs Chamber and EDC, the organization that works to preserve business interests and uh, and help uh, businesses collaborate and find network solutions to whatever challenges they're facing. and One of those is making sure that in the legislature that the interests of businesses in the Pikes Peak region are represented. Uh, and, and certainly they are no different than business interests across the state. Uh, let's talk about, uh, we, when we were talking about uh, technology, uh, healthcare technology is something that, I, I think there are some concerns about AI and how it might be used.
1: Certainly um, in healthcare as in uh, other areas, there are technological concerns across the board. Uh, That would be one area where uh, patient privacy and concerns about personal data certainly come to the forefront as well. And the healthcare sector currently has a lot of concerns legislatively, uh, not only statewide, but federally Um, currently Colorado has a top notch healthcare system, especially here in the Pikes Peak region. We're a national leader. However, our healthcare system is currently operating near capacity. We can deliver great patient outcomes, but there are concerns about how potential regulation could impact these healthcare systems, just how much flexibility there might be to accept additional costly regulations and how that would play out in terms of uh, their ability to deliver service to patients in a region. So with healthcare, we're going to be taking a very close look at any legislation that's brought forward and proposed that would be affecting our healthcare providers here in the Pike Peak region.
0: And, and certainly, when Medicaid takes up about 30% of state budgets, that's something that you have to, I, I guess, weigh at the state level.
1: And the cost of health care is always going to be uh, a hotly discussed topic in in any state capital, not only the cost to government spending, but the cost to provide that health care. And who pays that bill is always going to be a bit of a contentious issue. But whenever we look at that, we have to weigh, of course, the ability of what that's going to cost the average everyday citizen but also how that's going to impact any healthcare provider's ability to continue to deliver care. And that's a very delicate balance to uh, to try to maintain as we look at healthcare legislation. Um, we looked at legislation last year that may be brought back forth this year again relating to hospital facility fees, uh, the ability for these hospital systems to recover the cost of keeping their brick-and-mortar locations open, and that's janitorial security, uh, maintaining you know, the backup generators that they're required to have on hand to ensure that uninterrupted power is available if there is uh, a blackout. All these things are an overhead fixed cost that the hospitals incur and need to budget for, but there's been some discussion at the state level about how they're able to recover that cost. So things like that are going to be a continual issue of concern and are going to have to be addressed very, very carefully.
0: Now, the Colorado Springs Chamber and EDC, of which your part is, is engaged in advocacy through its Government Affairs Council. Tell us about what that advocacy looks like, how it works.
1: So our Government Affairs Council is a group of 30 experts drawn from our membership across a wide array of industries and uh, expertise largely with uh, government affairs professionals from various trade associations or areas of uh, critical industry that the chamber in EDC is trying to attract to the Pice Peak region. We have experts in housing, construction, uh, healthcare, cybersecurity, uh, military and defense contractors, all bringing their expertise in their particular area to the table. They are the group that, along with myself and our contract lobbyists, flag potential legislation and run through the deep dives and analysis of exactly what each bill could mean for businesses and employers in the region. So, not only do i read all the potential legislation that comes forward but all the members of the government affairs council do as well they discuss all the implications of this legislation and ultimately make suggestions that set the legislative policy agenda for the chamber and ebc
0: so for 2024 you know speaking of that agenda what would you say uh the, the local chamber is most interested in
1: Well, we were able to break our agenda down into four broad categories, largely as a mechanism to view draft legislation through rather than to propose a specific policy fix. But the four areas that we identified are housing, uh, protecting the business climate, good governance, and workforce development. Housing, of course, we are rapidly becoming one of the higher cost housing markets in the western U.S. and that is going to be a topic that is going to continue to be at the forefront of everybody's mind not only in the 2024 session but other sessions going forward after that Um, protecting the business climate is always going to be the concern of any chamber of commerce in EDC not only are we trying to attract new businesses in critical industries to this area but we're trying to retain the business community that we currently have. So as we look at employer-employee regulations, uh, liability carried by employers, uh, the tax and regulatory burden, we would like to see that we would like to see that create an environment that helps businesses to thrive. So when we look at these potential legislations, we are very concerned about legislation that could negatively affect our employers. With the good governance piece, we work very closely in partnership with our friends over at the city, the county, um, Regional Office of Emergency Management, Colorado Springs Utilities, and we like to see control for decisions for the region rest a little bit closer to home with the city and the county. We like to see the state be less involved in those decisions, how we plan the region's growth response to things like wildfire and we are very concerned anytime the state comes forward with a broad sweeping mandate that is going to increase the cost of doing business for the city for the county or any of these other regional entities and then finally of course workforce and economic development how do we support legislation that is going to have a positive effect on the growth of our workforce for these critical industries that we are working to attract there's a lot of interest in economic incentives from the state government, but also sometimes there are legislative or regulatory roadblocks that could be removed. Whether it comes, whether it's uh, for credentialing for state government positions or support of credentialing for career technical education programs, things like that.
0: Interesting, interesting. So uh, we need to take a break here. Dave Daslich is our guest today from the Colorado Springs Chamber in EDC. When we come back, we'll be doing a deeper dive into some of the uh, legislative uh, hallmarks of the last session and uh, what the impacts are playing out to be. Uh, that's when the Extra continues. If you'd like to find out more, you can also, uh, you know, email Dave uh, with specific questions, ddaslich at cscedc.com or you can go to the Chamber's website, Colorado Springs edc.com we'll, We're back with more of the Extra after these messages. We're back with our guest today from the Colorado Springs... Uh, Chamber and EDC, Dave Daslich, Vice President of Government Affairs, joining us to talk about some of the legislative issues that are being tackled in the upcoming months, but also uh, what they've accomplished over the past year and and what their advocacy has accomplished for the people and businesses of el paso county so so dave now last year the legislature passed several bills that had direct impact on the business community of course now what are some of the larger issues that were addressed by the state legislature
1: so last year we saw a legislature with a lot of freshmen who proposed a lot of bills that had a very wide reach. Ultimately, I think at the end of last session, when we saw as many of those bills die on the calendar as we did, we saw a trend more towards the middle and more towards some compromise on a number of these key issues, uh, dealing with employer-employee regulation, uh, with housing, and with the cost of things like uh, implementation of the new green roadmap, energy security, things like that. We did see some very positive legislation in the housing arena. Senate Bill 1, for example, opened up new avenues of cooperation for public private partnerships when it came to affordable housing, allowing local governments a lot broader leeway to help affordable housing developers use some of those, uh, especially some of those uh, local government owned assets, especially land and uh, land banking related assets to bring those affordable housing projects online um we saw senate bill 110 that deals with uh, the metro and special districts that are used to help local governments expand their infrastructure for uh, single family housing development and uh, greenfield development that brought additional transparency to to the board makeups and the financing of these districts and we saw a willingness to compromise and either amend or vote down some concerning bills that dealt with either additional employer liability or liability for uh, single-family home builders when it came to uh, construction. We expect a lot of what we saw in 2023 will come back in 2024 as these freshman legislators have gained a lot more experience, understand the process a little bit better. So we imagine we'll be seeing a lot of the issues that concerned us last time again. But we're also very optimistic that there's a lot of room to work and address some good policy as we move forward.
0: Because some of what you're talking about, they may have uh, been formed with the best of intentions, but may have unintended consequences that uh, might uh, cause you to quantify them or qualify them as as negative for business uh, and business interests. Um, let's talk about childcare. Uh, as more and more people move away from remote work and businesses start requiring more in-person working, uh, what are some specific legislative actions that uh, the CDC uh, and chamber got, the EDC and chamber got together and got behind?
1: During the 2023 session, we were uh, proud to advocate on behalf of House Bill 1091. That's the continuation of the child care contribution tax credit. That's one of the tax credits that is available here in the state uh, for those who are spending on child care. One of the ways to help reduce the cost a little bit and incentivize those employers who do make contributions toward employee uh, childcare costs. Uh, we were able to secure a three-year extension of that tax credit, and uh, very happy to see that. When, when you come into a budget time where dollars may be a little bit tighter, of course, a number of tax credits come up for re-examination and discussion, and that's when we feel those dollars are a solid investment and do need to be put forward in the coming year the availability of child care is going to be a topic of considerable discussion uh, all across the state uh, no matter the industry as employers are looking for ways to get potential employees back into the office or to attract new employees the question of affordable child care or even just available child care is going to be weighing heavily on a lot of people's minds and discussions will be centered on the regulatory aspect. Is it simple and straightforward enough to for for child care providers to set up within the state and provide quality child care easily? Uh, Are the regulations designed to help these child care providers bring on qualified employees quickly or are, are there still areas where we can remove some of these administrative obstacles while maintaining quality child care availability? That's going to be where a lot of the discussion on child care goes this year.
0: Now, staying with uh, how to, I guess, uh, satisfy and keep uh, workforces Uh, healthy and happy uh, and and recognizing that there are many benefits uh, that veterans as workers bring to the Pikes Peak region. What are some of the legislative acts that have been focused on strengthening the military workforce and retaining veterans in the region? Well, of
1: course, when it comes to our veteran workforce, especially here in the Pikes Peak region, uh, with the number of retirees every year, who are coming into the civilian workforce, many of them bringing uh, decades of experience and security clearances with them. Uh, it's, it's critical for us to be able to get out ahead and make our region more competitive than a number of the other areas in the country. And one of the ways we look at that is veteran benefits and some of the tax credits and exemptions that they have, not only relating to veteran benefit pay, are uh, in housing exemptions as well, especially the property tax exemptions. Um, currently, when we look at exemptions gold star families, when it comes to property taxes, in an area such as ours where those property values are increasing and in the wake of Gallagher, we're looking at increases in property tax rates. Every dollar that we're able to exempt is a dollar of a veteran's retirement benefits that go that much further and work that much harder towards keeping them in the region to fill some of those jobs in those critical industries, especially as we look towards the future with the securing of the uh, space command, the space uh, yeah with of space command for the region, we're going to have to have a firm, uh, firm actionable plan in place to how we're going to. keep qualified uh, individuals here past the military service and into the civilian workforce.
0: Indeed. All right. Dave Daslidge is our guest today from the Colorado Springs chamber and EDC. We need to take a break here. When we come back, we'll tell you about a ranking that puts Colorado Springs in a pretty sweet spot when it comes to starting a small business that and more when the extra continues. We're back with our guest today, Dave Daslich who's with the Colorado Springs Chamber and EDC. And we're talking about uh, the legislative uh atmosphere in colorado as we finished up with last year's session as well as the special session and moving into a new legislative session that starts on january 8th uh let's talk about though how colorado springs is doing in terms of its own atmosphere the business climate Uh, a new ranking coming out from forbes tell us about this dave
1: Yes, we see a Forbes ranking where we are the 11th least risky city to run a small business in America. And I think that is a secret that is getting out, not only for small businesses, but some larger employers as well. Uh, in the past 22 months, the chamber in EDC has seen a host of business attraction projects successfully closed, bringing in uh, advanced manufacturing, Solar panel companies, cybersecurity companies, professional support and technology companies, as well as a startling number, or not startling number given this uh, statistic, uh, but a very encouraging number of small businesses that support the larger employers as well. A lot of that is due to our business-friendly climate down here. We have a fair amount of for new housing, for uh, people in the region to live. It's a great place to want to work, and our regulatory apparatus between the city and the county is fairly straightforward with a lot of professional staff who want to see these small businesses succeed. Uh, that's a big part of why the protection of the business climate is so prominent in our legislative agenda we do have a pretty good thing going here in colorado springs and we'd like to see that continue our mission is not just to attract new businesses but to ensure that businesses in the area continue to thrive and continue to uh work and and expand
0: now there was one uh, house bill that uh was going through during the last session uh and that Really was one that uh, it could have had big impacts. uh, The Fair Work Week Employment Standards Bill. Tell us about that.
1: Yes, House Bill 1118, uh, the Fair Work Week Bill or the Predictive Scheduling Bill, would have required employers in the hospitality industries uh, to provide at least two weeks of set schedule for all employees and face penalties and additional liabilities for workplace lawsuits if they didn't incurring a fairly high additional operating cost in industries that are already running on fairly thin margins. Now, as we look at that bill, the sponsor talked about number of employees for a business to be eligible, but as we look further into the bill, there are also provisions that would have raised the liability for every employer uh, with hourly employees and increase the likelihood of workplace-related lawsuits. When people like Forbes look at a business climate and bring these rankings forward, one of the key components that's included is the legal environment and how likely any business owner is to face some sort of workplace-related lawsuit. Currently in Colorado, we have a fairly good regulatory climate and the amount of liability held by any, any particular employer is fairly reasonable. This is not to say that there should be no recourse for employees. Certainly nobody here is saying that. But we definitely don't want to see employers taking on an unreasonable burden of liability. That leads to increased insurance costs, additional lawsuits, and things that are generally discouraging towards small business ownership in the region. We're very proud of this 11th least risky city ranking, and we definitely want to see that remain. And uh, we'd like to be an even more friendly place for small businesses to operate.
0: Well, we're down to our last couple of minutes here. I I know the Colorado Springs Chamber and EDC held a roundtable last week focusing on legislative uh, work. Tell us more about this roundtable and why it's important for our region and how people can get involved.
1: So every year, our Government Affairs Department hosts our legislative roundtable for our elected delegation out of El Paso County. We usually have about 10 legislators there, and that's open for all of our membership. We call it speed dating for legislators. As they move around the room, each legislator gets to talk about their plans for the upcoming session with uh, a different group of individuals and gets to hear about concerns from those individuals as well. It's a great opportunity for business owners, especially those who take keen interest in government relations, to meet with all the various members of our delegation and ensure that their concerns get in front of them ahead of the legislative session. Of course, during session, there's a lot of back and forth, but legislators are more busy. There's a lot less time to make those connections. And we always hope that when we or anybody else is going to Denver or calling or emailing our legislators that it's not the first time that they're seeing our names, but there is some, there's, there's already been some dialogue there. So we always encourage our folks to build these relationships with the legislators. And in some cases, events like our round table are the opportunity for our members to meet these legislators face to face for the first time and start that relationship. That's going to be so critical when the legislative session comes.
0: And for that reason, I, I'm sure you encourage businesses to get on board and join the chamber, find out what it's all about, and find out what the uh, Legislative Affairs Council is all about. Again, the website is Colorado Springs coloradospringschamberedc.com. We're about out of uh, time here, David, but in our final uh, maybe minute we have here, why don't you tell the listeners what you would like them to come away from this hour of conversation with?
1: I would just encourage everybody to pay close attention to the legislative session. Uh, Organizations like the chamber or other trade associations, we provide updates throughout the session on how one can get involved, make your voice heard with your legislators, or even just know what is being considered, what is being discussed, and how all this potential legislation could affect you. So I encourage you to join, be active, and be involved.
0: Excellent words, excellent advice from David Daslich uh, addressing uh, what can be done when it comes to uh, trying to make the concerns of businesses in the Pikes Peak region be heard at the state legislative level. And uh, of course, if you'd like to find out more, you can visit Colorado chamber EDC.com. And Dave is uh, kind enough to provide us with his own email, ddaslich at cscedc.com if you'd like to get more information on how to get involved. Thank you for joining us here on The Extra, Dave. Thanks, Jared and to our listeners, thank you for taking part in this hour of conversation here. We know there are a lot of business owners, business managers out there, employees as well. And hopefully, a lot of what you heard is applicable to your lives. That's been the extra here on KRDO News Radio. We have Tom Martino up after the top of the break. I'll be joining you again tomorrow to have more extra conversation. That is the extra. You're listening to KRDO News Radio.